Last week, we looked at Isaac. We saw in Genesis 18 that there's this promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would be parents. And Sarah laughed at how impossible and how improbable that seemed. And then in Genesis 21, that promise, the promise of a baby, the promise of a child, the promise of a son was fulfilled. And Sarah laughed a joyful laugh. And we talked about how God can take our despair and our cynicism and how He can turn them into joy and hope and laughter. This week, we look at Isaac's son. And as we continue our series on names, we hear the name of struggle. To give you the backstory to the scene that we read today, we have to talk about what has led up to this moment. Jacob cheated his brother Esau out of his inheritance. Jacob ran away because he was afraid Esau would kill him. Jacob ran away to Abraham and Sarah's homeland in Mesopotamia. And there he married two sisters, Rachel and Leah. And the promise that God gave to Abraham I will make you into a great nation. We see that is coming true in Jacob's life. He's becoming a nation. But at this scene that we read today, God has told Jacob to go home. To go back home to Canaan. The land promised to his children. And he's just about to enter the land. But there's this moment. And he has these feelings of anxiety and fear and worry. If you will, open up your Bible to the first book. The book of Genesis, chapter 32. And let's read this story together. I'm reading from the Common English Bible, Genesis chapter 32. Jacob went on his way, and God's messengers approached him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he named that sacred place Maharaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau, toward the land of Seir, the open country of Edom. He gave them these orders. Say this to my master Esau. This is the message of your servant Jacob. I've lived as an immigrant with Laban, where I've stayed till now. I own cattle, donkeys, flocks, men servants, and women servants. I'm sending this message to my master now to ask that he be kind. The messengers returned to Jacob and said, we went out to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you with 400 men. Jacob was terrified and felt trapped. So he divided the people with him and the flocks, cattle, and camels into two camps. He thought, if Esau meets the first camp and attacks it, 
at least one camp will be left to escape. Jacob said, Lord, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I'll make sure things go well for you. I don't deserve how loyal and truthful you've been to your servant. I went away across the Jordan with just my staff, but now I've become two camps. Save me, my brother Esau. I'm afraid he will come and kill me, the mothers and their children. You were the one who told me, I will make sure things go well for you. And I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea. So many you won't be able to count them. Jacob spent that night there. From what he had acquired, he set aside a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats. 200 ewes and 20 rams. 30 nursing camels with their young. 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He separated these herds and gave them to his servants. He said to them, Go ahead of me, and put some distance between each of the herds. He ordered the first group, When my brother Esau meets you and asks you, Who are you with? Where are you going? And whose herds are these in front of you? Say, They are your servant Jacob's. A gift sent to my master Esau. And Jacob is actually right behind us. He also ordered the second group, the third group, and everybody following the hers, say exactly the same thing to Esau when you find him. Say also, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I may be able to pacify Esau with the gift I'm sending ahead. When I meet him, perhaps he will be kind to me. So Jacob sent the gift ahead of him, but he spent that night in the camp. Verse 22. Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to him, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself. And a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer. But Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and won. Jacob also asked and said, Tell me your name. But he said, Why do you ask for my name? And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, because I've, I've seen God face to face, and my life has been saved. The sun rose as Jacob passed Penuel, limping because of his thigh. Therefore, Israelites don't eat the tendon attached to the thigh muscle to this day, because he grabbed Jacob's thigh muscle at the tendon. We know this is going to be an extraordinary story, because the first thing Jacob sees as he takes his final steps towards home are the messengers, the angels, 
of God. And he says, this is God's camp. And he gives the place a name that means two camps. What the author of this story is doing is he's setting the stage for the drama to come. Notice how Jacob sees these messengers as an army. This lets us know that Jacob is convinced his confrontation with Esau is going to be a battle. And also, he sees two armies. And you know what Jacob will do? He will divide his people into two groups, hoping to save at least one of them. Jacob believes that Esau wants revenge. Because that's what he would want. When Jacob was tricked by his father-in-law Laban, he wanted to get even. So if Jacob was in Esau's place, he would be anxious for revenge. And to deal with all this, Jacob sends messengers to Esau. The message he sends tells us a lot about Jacob. There is a simple statement of fact about where he's been the last 20 years. I've lived as an immigrant with Laban, where I've stayed till now. And then there is a catalog of the things that he now owns. I own cattle, donkeys, flocks, men servants, and women servants. Do you see what he's doing? He's trying to impress Esau. He's trying to buy his favor. And then the messengers come back and say, Your brother Esau is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. Jacob doesn't think this is good news. And so Jacob sends everyone else across the river and he prays. And this is the longest single prayer in the book of Genesis. And we hear a prayer that is much more mature than the one that he prayed when he left in chapter 28. So we hear that there is a humility that should come with age. Jacob prays by saying, I haven't deserved God's faithfulness. I haven't deserved your faithfulness, O God. But please deliver me from the hand of my brother. A literal translation of verse 20 would be, I may appease his face with the present that goes before my face, and afterwards I shall see his face. Perhaps he will lift up my face. Let us know this story is going to be about facing some things. And then Jacob encounters God in a very real way. In this story, Jacob has to cross the Jabbok. Do you know what that means? It's not just a place on the map. What this story is about is telling us that there's moments in our lives where we have to face our past. It might be a past that you ran away from. 
a past that you wanted to leave. Some of us have to have a personal reckoning. And we have to deal with the question, what does it mean to face a past that you wanted to leave behind? But now, we have to come to terms with that. If you've ever left home for years and then come back, you probably came back to unfinished business. And you had to face that question, what does it mean for me to come back? What does it mean for me to go home? That's a personal struggle. And that's a feeling that we all encounter. The sense of now needing to come to terms with things. In this story, we see Jacob is having a personal struggle. He has this strained relationship with his brother. And there's stress involved when you try to make things right. But this is a story that's much deeper than two brothers who are fighting. This is a story about a struggle with God. And you know what's beautiful and realistic? Jacob didn't even realize who he was struggling with until it was over. So let's take a closer look at this struggle. Because I think everything leads up to one phrase that we all too often overlook. The first part of verse 24 in the NRSV says, Jacob was left alone. Jacob was left alone. If you've read the biblical story up to this point, you know when Jacob left Laban, his father-in-law, he has a lot of cattle, a lot of sheep, a lot of camels. And these are huge herds. And he's got 400 men. He's got two wives and two concubines and 10 or 11 sons and maybe a daughter as well at this point in the story. And then he splits them into two groups. And he leaves from the two groups. And he has his wives. And then he sends everyone across the river. And now he's alone. We've seen Jacob steal the birthright and the inheritance from his brother. We saw him run away with nothing. We saw him have to use a rock as a pillow. And now, he's become a nation. But he's afraid that he's about to lose it all. He's alone. He's alone with his fears. He's alone. And finally, he's alone with God. And that's when the crisis comes. We see this is a struggle that changes Jacob's identity. This is a moment that will define who he is. Before we look at that, let's remember a few things. Jacob's name means heel, or literally one who pulls the leg. 
We remember the story goes that he and Esau were struggling in the womb. That he was wrestling from before he was born. And Esau was born first, but Jacob was grabbing his heel trying to pull him back in. So when this man or angel or God, this is a mysterious story here, asked Jacob, what's your name? Literally, he says, heel. That's what Jacob's name means, is heel. Because that's the truth of who he is. It's the truth of his past. He's been a heel. He's been pulling people's legs. He deceived his blind old father. He wrestled with his father-in-law. He tricked him. He was tricked by him. Who are you? I'm Jacob. I'm a heel. I'm a trickster. But God says, no. Your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel. Because you struggled with God and with men and one. As I read this story, I think that so often we want peace. And we think that with enough faith, we'll find peace. And it is true that in Jesus we can find peace for our souls. And it is true that as we look around at our world, we desperately need peace. But as we look at this story, and we look at the life of Jacob, we see that faith is often a struggle. Faith isn't about having all the answers. Faith isn't about not having conflict. Faith is not about having it all together. In this story... We see Jacob's identity is defined by the struggle. We see faith is not letting go. It's a struggle to know what your purpose is. It's a struggle to be faithful to your calling. It's a struggle to know what the next right thing to do is. You see, faith is more about a struggle than it is about being comfortable. And we see that Jacob doesn't let go in the struggle. It's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable act of faith to not let go in the struggle. It's a remarkable act of faith to let your faith be characterized by the struggle. And you know what the good news is? The good news is that God will bless you in the struggle. Because in the struggle is where you encounter the favor of God. In the struggle, you find your identity in God. And this ain't easy. We see that Jacob limps every day for the rest of his life. Sometimes struggles scar us. The 
struggle ain't easy. But we can find a blessing in struggle. And it's in that struggle that Jacob sees the face of God. And this is also a story about reconciliation. In the next chapter, when Jacob sees Esau, he panics. And when Esau sees him, he runs, falls on his neck, and hugs him and kisses him. And Esau asks, what does all this coming mean? What do all these animals mean? And Jacob says, it's to gain favor from you. My brother, I have enough, Esau says. My brother, I have enough. Jacob says, truly, to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Did you hear that? You mean, because someone that we've wronged has been given grace to forgive us, to say, brother, after we've been anything but a brother, they can see in our face the face of God. Truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God. This is a story about forgiveness. In this scene, we see the heart of God. The heart of God is not filled with anger or judgment or condemnation. God's heart is is full of love and grace and compassion. Wesley had a very simple note about this verse. He said, Jacob now knew that God is a God of grace and forgiveness. In the oldest study Bible I have, there's a note that says, the best way to reflect God to others is to forgive them freely, expecting nothing in return. May you go forth today forgiving others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.